Good morning and welcome. We're so pleased um, and, and blessed, really, that you're choosing to join us this morning to worship together. Uh, such a, a blessing to think about this season where we are able to, to worship, yes, in our homes, but that, that reach has been extended locally and globally. So to friends all over, um, thank you for being with us, uh, to our congregation and our family. Uh, thank you for joining our family and thank you for being in our family. Uh, every service, we hope that it's a blessing to you as well. We hope it's a help uh, in this season, every season, and we hope that this meeting is really a time together for us to worship the Lord. I'll be continuing our series on stewardship this morning. We've been talking about this idea that God invites us to partner with him. God who created and owns everything has, has left it to us and left it to us to manage. And God has gifted us these things so that we can grow into Christ-likeness, so that we can grow in how we help others, how we, we, we care, and also our trust in God. Uh, we start off talking about stewarding our resources and, and just saying that, hey, our money, that belongs to God. Everything that we have belongs to God. How are we giving that and using that for the kingdom? We talked about then stewarding our assets, saying all that we have, um, those things that we, we take ownership over, our houses, our jobs, our careers, our cars. How are we using that in hospitality to God? How are we saying, God, this belongs to you. How can I use it for your glory? Then we moved on to talking about stewarding one another. Uh, the, the scripture teaches us, and even our Christian tradition teaches us, that when we choose to follow God, we belong to God, yes, but we also belong to each other. So what does that look like and how we live and how we love and how we interact with each other? And then last week we talked about stewarding spiritual gifts. We as Christians have these divinely appointed, God has chosen and gifted each of us with um, different gifts that are for the church. So God brings and welcomes every Christian into the family, and then he gifts us to do the work of serving the church. So whether it's the local body having all it needs or us universally, um, having all that we need to shine our light and to live for God's kingdom. And now this week we're going to talk about stewarding God's creation. The tagline or just maybe the phrase has been really sticking with me this week as I prepare for this message is that we are God's chosen care reps. God's chosen care representatives to this earth. We have been divinely made in this world, but we have also been divinely made for this world. We think about being God's chosen care reps. Remember that you are divinely made in this world, but in this present time, God has called you to the now so that you can be made to be his representative in this word, our world. We're going to be reading from uh, Genesis, kind of the heart of the Genesis creation narrative. Um, just four verses this morning, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and then just one verse in chapter 2, verse 15. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us to Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and then again, chapter 2, verses 15. Starting at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work to work it and to care for it. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, we thank you so much that you've created us in this world. We thank you so much that you've created us for this world. 
Lord, who is the God of all universe and galaxies, God of all creation and the world that we live in, we thank you that you've chosen us to be your care representatives. So God, we pray now that as we dive into the scripture, may we be reminded of a God who creates, of a God who chooses, and of a God who cares. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. So some of the background of this creation narrative is that when you read it in the Hebrew, it's a little bit easier. But even in English, you know, as a kid, as I would read this, um, it definitely is not prose. It's not just a, a straight narrative or a story. There's something poetic about what's going on, whether it's the order of the days or just how it reads. You see, not only is God a God of order, but you see God's a God of beauty. And it's really just poetry that invites us into the awesomeness of God, that invites us into the, the power of God. As you read through Genesis 1 and 2, you see that God created what a blessing to have a God who's the creator. And you see that God created all. Not just the world we live in, but the universe and the galaxies and every single thing God has created. God created all of this by speaking it into being. And as one modern songwriter says, he did it with no point of reference, which, which is really, really just a, something I've been meditating on for, for almost a year now. That idea that not only does God create, but he does it from no point of reference. We too, created in the image of God, are creators. But usually when we create, we have a, a point of reference to build on to. But God creates all that we see, all that we have, all that there is with no point of reference. This poetry of the Genesis narrative invites us into seeing God's awesomeness and God's power. But as you study this a little bit deeper, you realize that, that this was written to the first believers, the, the first followers of God. And in this ancient Near Eastern context, God is not just giving a poetry or a poem here. He's writing and gifting us an epic that invites us to wonder, that invites us to awe. Creation in the ancient Near East was a violent act. It was chaos. It was, it was usually war. You had the waging spiritual bodies and gods fighting. And, 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 and creation then was usually an afterthought or a consequence. I won. You lose. This is your punishment. And it will flesh out in creation this way. And you see that in the stories from Babel or, or Egypt or other contemporaries. But yet when you get to this God of the first believers, it's a revelation, not a consequence. It's a revelation that God creates, but it's also a revelation from our Christian perspective that it is all of God that creates all of the world, all of the universe, all of the galaxies. We see it in the beginning of the Genesis story as we're reminded that the spirit of God is present in creation as it hovers over everything, as the spirit hovers over. In the New Testament, we learn, yes, that Jesus came. Yes, that Jesus lived. Yes, that Jesus died and was raised again. Jesus is God. But in light of creation, we're reminded that all things were created in Jesus. And that even now, as before, all things are held together by Jesus. All of God creates because God is creator. No cosmic fights are needed, like Babel said or that Egypt said. Instead, in this creation story, we have the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, the love of God. How many times do you read in the story that God created and to his own eyes, it was good. It was very, very good. God creates not out of consequence, but out of love. All of God creates 
because God is creator. And the last thing that is you read through the story in Genesis 1 and 2, you have this teaching that it is God who made us and not we ourselves. Now, for, for a lot of us reading this story and studying this story, the, 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 the how is important. And we kind of sometimes focus too much on the how. And there's some people who will argue with you and say, you know, when God created, it was a literal six days. You know, and there's some people who will argue with you and say, no, 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 no. It was billions of years that it happened. And there's some people who will argue and say, well, it's intelligent design. And we, we see that there's God behind who created this. It was intelligent design. But I think if you just read the story and you set with the story, you'll realize that the first message to the ancient Near Eastern believers is the same message to us. It's not the how that's important or most important. The how is very important, but it's not the how that is the most important. What's most important is the who. And the who is God, the one who creates. And we think about this morning stewarding this creation that our God has spoken to being with no point of reference. As we think about stewarding creation, I think it's important for us to realize that God creates everything with a purpose and a function. In the ancient Near East, again, the first believers, when they looked at creation, your job in creation was to labor for the gods or the gods of that, that age, their benefit. You worked really, really hard in hopes of pleasing them and hopes of, of having maybe a better life. And you see that train of thought continue even to the religions of today, that you just try your best and, and you work really hard for God's benefit and you just hope for the best. But the message from Yahweh in the Old Testament to Jesus in the New Testament to the Spirit of God throughout is that God did not create for his own good. God makes this creation for humans, for our good, so that we can thrive here. Second thing to realize when we talk about stewarding God's creation is that we are together created in the image of God. Now, I think, again, a lot of whether it's modern religions or modern thinking, uh, we, 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 we take that first step of saying it's important that we see um, divinity in each other. It's important that we see that we are God's creation. It's important that we see that God's hand is upon us. And I think that's important, but it's not the most important because the message from Genesis is this. Together, we are in the image of God. Male and female, we are in the image of God. So from the very beginning, you see that even our reflection as the image of God is a communal endeavor. Our, our, our reflection as the image of God is about being the body, is about being members of one another as well. We need each other. If we want to be the image of God, we have to remember that it's together, not individually, that we are representing and being the image of God. And speaking of representing, when we think about stewardship in this Genesis 1 and 2, it's important to realize that God has called us to be his representatives. God has called us to be his ambassadors to this earth. God creates us to be co-regents. In this passage, you'll see even what we read this morning, that God wants us to be the Lord of the earth. That God wants us to be the Lord of the skies, the Lord of the sea. And if you look at human history, you see that we've conquered the earth. You see it in the different places that we live. You see it in the different things we've been able to create. You see it all throughout human history that we are all over the globe. You see it in the sky, how generations ago or maybe centuries ago, we couldn't imagine, you know, getting an aircraft carrier and planes and, and flying across the world. We couldn't imagine centuries ago of, of actually walking on the moon. But we're also laws of the Lord, Lord of the sea. 
And, and even though we haven't even discovered all of the sea or even close to it, it's amazing to think of, of the power of the sea and how from the very beginning God has blessed mankind, uh, us to be able to not only feed from the sea, but to use the power of the sea for everything from travel to even just the, 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 in some societies and cultures, how the water represents their connection to the divine. It represents the blessings that God's given them. But God hasn't just called us to rule in our natural state. And what I mean by that is God hasn't called us to rule the way we see each other rule in this world. When God calls us to be co-regents, it's important to realize that he's called us to be his image bearers, that we are created in the image and likeness of God. You know, ever since the ancient times till today, kings and, and mighty people in power would have statutes. And the statue wasn't supposed to, to say this is physically the person. But the statue was supposed to be there so that when people saw it, they would have an image of that creator or they would have an image of that king. They would have an image of that powerful person. So when we think about being rulers or co-regents, it's important that we realize that God has left us here so that when people see us, they don't think that we're God, but they're reminded that we are God's representatives. That when they see us, they go to the king of all kings. When they see us, they're reminded that God created the world and we are the representatives here. We're ambassadors, the, Old the New Testament tells us. The idea of ambassadors makes it not just something that, that happens, right? But that our official duty is to serve on this earth, is to steward this creation on God's behalf. In Genesis 2.15, there's this verse where, where God commands mankind to work the garden and to take care of it. The Hebrew word for work there is shamar. And shamar has this idea of, of care, which is what the NIV uses in translation here. But it also has this idea of, of, of keeping something, keeping it, of observing it, of guarding it, of protecting it. Shamar sounds a lot like stewardship. God is not just calling us to just be here in the earth, but saying that everything I've created, everything that exists, part of your work on this earth is to care for my creation. You know, years ago, um, I got a chance to, in high school, to go on this hiking trip in the Shenandoah. And, and what's fascinating about this is years later, I talked to my friend Neil, who went on this trip with me. Uh, I guess I went with him because he knew I didn't know nothing about it. I am very much a city boy. Uh, my entire life, I've lived in cities. Uh, Monrovia, Liberia, Freetown, Sierra Leone, Abidjan. Even we lived across from New York City. We were closer to New York City. It felt closer to New York City than, than we did the North Jersey people. Sorry, North Jersey people. Um, and then I lived in Philadelphia, and now I lived in Harrisburg. So I'm not the most like nature savvy person, especially back then. And, and, and even as I thought about um, um, growing up, I, I realized that part of my legacy too is that I'm very much my grandfather's boy in the sense of when I was first born, I was at the time one of the youngest grandkids. And, and one of my earliest memories and, and probably few memories of my grandfather was, was going to his, his, his land and his farm and, and walking and talking and, and just listening to him talk about the wonder of creation. Listening to talk about how when you work the earth, God can use the earth to bless you with food, not just for your family, but for your community. And so I remember all those things. But the reason I was thinking about this trip to the Shenandoah is because I, as a city person, as a city kid, didn't really like nature. 
You know, sometimes people come into cities and, and they're a little scared. I never understood it, you know, and I still don't really understand it. But I tell you what, my first night in nature was terrifying. It was dark. There were no lights. It was trees all around. It was animals making noises. Everybody else was sleeping. I was just sitting there like, what is wrong with these people? Like, bears are going to come out at any time. But what I learned going to camp every summer, though, was that when you're surrounded by nature, for some of us, it makes it so much easier to connect with God. What I learned is that in my city, I wasn't blessed all the time with just looking at a starry sky. And to this day, that's one of my greatest joys in life, to just sit under the stars in the sky and let God's creation and majesty rain all over and just flood down on me, if you will. What I learned at Iroquoina, though, is even just the peace of sitting by a lake. What I learned at Iroquoina was, was how we as people are God's creation and we too can reveal God. But I think all of those served as a foundation, being a city boy, but having a grandfather who taught me about nature and creation and the blessing that it is, and, and going to camp and learning that creation can, can be used to draw me closer to God, I think it all came to a head on this trip. Neil and I were in high school. I still don't know how our parents allowed this, but I think we were on the trail for almost a week, just the two of us. We packed our clothes, we packed our food. I don't know how many mics we hiked, but we did. All we had to do every day was hike a long way, stop and eat, hike a long way, stop and eat, hike a long way, stop and eat. That was our entire agenda. But as I was thinking about that trip this week, I realized that there were a lot of things that I remember from that trip. The one was the bear we were sure was following us. The bear that we saw maybe a, about a quarter mile, maybe a half a mile while we were getting water. And, and as, as high school boys, you know, we did everything you're not supposed to do. And, and we just ran, you know, we ran to what we thought was shelter. And, and then later that night, after we ate our dinner and made our food, we learned a lesson about why it's important to actually take your trash and your garbage and, and put it up in the air because, you know, the bears might find it. And I remember being in the, 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 the tent and hearing this rustling outside. And I remember peeking through the tent and be like, oh, that really is a bear. And I don't know what we're going to do, but we're just going to sit here. And to this day, I tell you the truth. I don't know if I've ever prayed so hard in my life, but we survived. I'm here. But as I think about that trip, it wasn't just about Neil and I connecting to each other or, or connecting to nature. It wasn't just about running from bears. When I think about that trip, I think about how God reminded me of the beauty of his creation and how that can point me to him. I think about reaching the, the hilltop or the mountaintop and looking over the valley and realizing, oh my gosh, our God is so big, our God is so good, our God is all that is beautiful. I learned to cherish creation because I felt like on that trip, I realized once and for all that God uses his creation to reveal himself to us, to reveal God to us. But as we went through the trip and as we took all these little steps to make sure we didn't leave trash behind, to make sure that where we started was better than where we ended, to make sure we were taking care, I learned that in caring for creation, we can reveal God to others. Because you see, if we had left that trail and that hike with trash all over the place, that would have not only hurt the earth in a sense, but that would have distracted people from appreciating the same beauty that we got to appreciate. So I learned that caring for creation is important because, yes, creation reveals God to you. But in caring for creation, you give God and the Spirit more opportunities to use that same creation to reveal and introduce God to others. So our closing question or maybe thought is just simply this this morning. How are you currently 
stewarding creation. Because God has chosen you for the here and for the now. Because God has called you for the here and for the now. And part of your duty as a follower of Jesus is to care for what God's created. So the question again is, how are you currently stewarding God's creation right now? Because you are God's representative. You are God's ambassador to and for this world. And if you're living in a way that you're not caring for this world that God's given us, if you're living in a way that you're not stewarding this creation that God's given us, you are not shining your light the way God needs you to shine your light. You're not hearing and, and the message that creation wants to reveal God to you, but you're also keeping others from being having um, God revealed himself to them through that creation. When I think about creation, I think about how when we steward it, it can reveal God to us. So one of my challenges for this week is this. I want you, no matter where you live, urban, suburban, rural, is to carve out time this week with creation. Maybe it's going on a hike on the green belt, you know, or a bike ride. Maybe it's just sitting by the river or a creek. Maybe it's just having lunch with a friend because we as people are also creation of God. But I want you to be intentional about spending time with creation this week. And as you spend that time with creation, I want you to simply pray this prayer. God, reveal yourself to me. God, reveal yourself to me. Because creation Reveals God, yes. But one way we can get that revelation is to be intentional in spending time. And the second thing I want you to do this week is to do something that reveals God to others through creation. And maybe you could combine the two. So instead of you just going on that hike or bike ride, maybe you invite a friend so you, you, or your family so you experience that together. I talked about already going to lunch with each other. Maybe that's how you do it. Maybe... You and some friends sit under the stars if, if you have the blessing of sitting under stars. Some of us live in cities, so we don't get more than three stars, right? But if you have more than three stars in the sky, maybe you just sit under them in community somehow. If you live by water, maybe you just sit by the creek or the river and just use that as a time of prayer. Maybe you offer up yourself to God this week and say, God, I am your creation. God, you call me your masterpiece, your workmanship, created to do good works. God, help me to reveal others, to reveal you to others. So how are we currently stewarding creation? Well, we're created now and here to serve. We need to spend time, yes, with creation. But most of all, let our lives be a prayer of not just stewarding and caring for the creation, but that God would continue to speak to us through what he has created and that we may continue to make opportunities for others to hear and feel and experience God by the creation that we steward as well. God bless you all.